You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. We are going to jump right into our show and start with our grateful moment. Evan, what are you grateful for this week? I'm grateful because my youngest son turned five uh, on this week, and so we were able to celebrate his fifth birthday, and we had a good time doing that. Very nice. Kelvin, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful. Um, what's up, everybody? First of all, long time. Um, 11 years of marriage. We celebrated on Sunday, so I'm blessed to have um, been uh, marriage bliss for 11 years, and I'm grateful for that. Awesome. Philip, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm grateful. Hey, everyone, what's up? How are you everyone doing? Hope you're doing well. I'm grateful for the opportunity to just spend time with my family. Um, my wife who's busy as a nurse working, you know, days and dealing with this. She's part of the frontline crew. And I thank God that she's been safe thus far. And spend time with my girls, especially my oldest one who is about to go to college next year. And just spending time with her and, um, and my other two. So thank God for that. I'm grateful for that. Great. Sweetie, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for my family. Uh, I love them. We've all been going through this whole pandemic and everyone's been safe and practicing safety and hopefully that continues. So I'm grateful for my family. Awesome. And I am grateful for um, last week uh, with my feeding project um, that I've been talking about every single week. I've been able to feed a thousand families in Charlotte, North Carolina during this pandemic. I am so excited because I, I did this in my individual capacity. And this is just a testament that you can really do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. So I'm super grateful um, and thankful for that. Let us jump right into our interview. Today we have a very special guest. We are so excited to have him on the show. Uh, we have Speedy Claxton. He is a former NBA player. Um, he won an NBA championship in 2003 with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and he is currently assistant head coach um, at Hofstra University in New York. He is a native New Yorker. Um, shout out to New York, the best city on, best city on this earth. And um, we are so happy to have him. Looking forward to his insight and his interview. So let us jump right in. Um, Speedy, thank you so much for being here. Man, thank you for having me. And I love the name. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, even though I told them you're from the greatest place on earth, um, and a little background information. Well, yes, I am from the greatest place on earth. I'm from New York City, born and raised. Uh, I grew up in Corona, Queens. I have six siblings, five sisters, one brother. Uh, have three girls of my own. Uh, all about family over everything. And had a 10-year NBA career. Um, went on to help put Golden State's first championship team together. I was a scout for them for a couple of years, and now I'm back at Hofstra for the last seven years. Hey, Speedy, man, like like you said, we're just so blessed to have you on the show, man. Um, I want to go back from childhood slash playground. 
you one of the first, uh, probably the first NY, true NY uh, player that we had on the podcast so far. Can you talk us about talk to us about the life of a uh, a guard growing up in New York? Because I know, like you know, guards a dime a dozen, but to make it to New York and be a guard is phenomenal. How was yeah. that? It's it was dope growing up. Um, you know, growing up in New York, being a guard, you uh, was battle tested on the playground. Every time you went out there to compete, you know somebody was coming at your neck, so you had to give it your all. So. I mean, I think that's what gave me my competitive nature. So being on the playground, growing up, and playing against older cats and not getting pushed around and uh, just playing hard against them made me what I am today. Cool, cool, cool. So, Speedy, I wanted to ask you, what, when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? Because to get to your le level, you have to put time, dedication, and 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 and. and spend so much time to get to just to your level, especially in New York, where basketball is really street ball, <laughs> you know, get bumps and bruises and, and become tough and, and to play that sport. So how did you fall in love with that? How did you fall in love with that? Honestly, I loved it from the start, man, from day one. Um, it's a fun game, you know, competing against people uh, from different cities, from your own city, and just trying to, trying to outdo each other. It's a, it's a fun sport. Um, I started playing when I was in the third grade. My eldest sister, Cheryl, who's actually a doctor now, she used to be a cheerleader for my elementary school. And I used to have to go with her to her cheerleading practices. And there was a group of kids down on the other end playing basketball. So I was asking if I could go to the other end and play with the kids. I want to watch some chili. So I used to go down there and play. And then, I just started to take a liking to the game and it just took off from there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll forgive you for being from New York and we, we <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing, I'm playing. Uh, but uh, playing in the playground environment, what would you say were some of the, the biggest tests you faced um, representing Queens and, on the basketball court? Well, you know, everybody, everybody in their borough have the, the best players. Um, so you always not only have to represent yourself, but you have to represent your borough. So I knew I wasn't just playing for Speedy, I was playing for Queens. So wherever you, wherever you, wherever you told me you was at, um, especially you went and played in somebody's hood, you knew you had to go and represent. Facts, facts. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to boast about something New York. As you can tell, I'm from New York as well, which is why I'm gushing with pride. I'm gushing with pride today. So let our listeners know, you went to Christ the King High School. Yes. Let our listeners know about the pedigree of going to Christ the King and being an athlete at Christ the King. Listen, man, Christ the King is known uh, for basketball. Uh, we've had a number of great players come out of that school. Just on my team alone, uh, you had myself, Eric Barkley, who's a McDonald's All-American, then went to St. John's, got drafted by Paul and Trailblazers in the first round. Mm -hmm. Then you had Lamar Odom, um, who also was a McDonald's All-American, uh, got drafted by the Lakers. No, the Clippers. Got drafted by the Clippers in the first round. Um, went on to be, you know, all everything. Uh, we had Kyler Reeves, who played in the NBA. Derek Phelps played in the NBA. So it's, it's a, definitely a storied um, powerhouse 
uh, school. You know, when we was when we was there, we were number two in the country. Um, so we're known for basketball. So you know, to go to Christy King and to be part of that family is is very special. I mean, not just on the men's side, but on the women's side as well. You have Shamika Holstor, Sue Bird, um, uh, just a, just a number of players. Absolutely. Just, you know, just so our listeners are clear about what kind of talent comes out of New York. <laughs> for sure. We're going to we big up New York today, man, because we got Speedy <laughs> on. I used to be giving them some problems about that. So now, uh, Speedy, um, I think your coach was uh, Jay Wright when you got to, um, to Hofstra. What was that process? You know, you, go, you was a major player um, out of high school. Now you know you got that whole uh, the recruiting thing. Why Hofstra? Why? Uh, it's Hofstra? funny because I didn't I didn't start out as a a, ma a high major recruit. Um, okay. Not so many people know, but I was I was messing up in the classroom, so I didn't get to play a lot of AAU basketball, which caused me not to be seen a whole lot. So only really the local schools really knew about me and was recruiting me hard, and then it's not so like midway through my senior year where I had already gave a verbal commitment to Hofstra because they recruited me the hardest up until that point where some of the high major schools started to come around, St. John's, Georgia Tech, Cena Hall. But I'm a man of my word and it's just something in my gut told me to, to stay with my verbal commitment to Hofstra. And honestly, I, I wouldn't have changed it. Looking back at it now, I mean, I did a lot for the program uh, some will say I, I will always have a job there. Um, Jay Wright took off. He's going to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame when he's finished coaching. Right. Right, right. So, Speedy, quick question. What is one of your favorite memories? Um, and I know, I think I know it's winning a conference in college. And tell us about that experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was, that was one of my final moments um, in my basketball journey, you know. Being that I went to a mid-major school like Hofstra, we don't get to go to the tournament every year. So it's very special when you, when you, when you do get to go. And to get there my senior year after, you know, fighting adversity my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and to finally get over that hurdle my senior year was just everything. It's like, I right, I can leave this place with a smile on my face. I did my job. I got them to the tournament. Okay, so and you kind of spoke about you dealt them. You, you had overcome adversity your freshman and sophomore year, and even when you came to the league initially, so there was some adversity because I believe you had an injury your your rookie uh, year. Yeah, I heard my first year. I told my ACL in a preseason game, so I didn't get to play uh, a regular season game my whole first year. I basically had a close side seat uh, yeah. to that day in my first year. Yeah, and that first year, that's when the Sixers made their finals run. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what the atmosphere was like that season. It was a magical year. I mean, it was dope for me because even though I was in the NBA, I didn't actually, I didn't get a play, I didn't get to play, so I really got to watch like a magical season up close and personal, and to see AI dominate and get MVP that year, and for us to go to the finals, like damn, I, I did all, I got to see all this in my first year. Like this is amazing coming from college and to experience all of that in, in your first year. Couldn't ask for a better start to your career. So backtracking just a tidbit, um, you were drafted by the Sixers um, in, in the year 2000, correct? Yes, 2000. Okay. 
Um, and I, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that franchise. Um, <laughs> prior to coming to the league, um, did you have like an ideal team in mind, like a team you wanted to play for, or okay. it didn't really matter? Oh, no, I mean, yes, I definitely want, I definitely knew there was a team that I wanted to play for because, you know, I wanted to play for my hometown team in the Knicks. Uh, I grew up watching them and being a fan. So of course that's where I wanted to go. And I worked out for them and they was high on me. They needed a point guard at the time. And they was picking right around the time where I was supposed to get drafted. Uh, so I knew there was a chance. And I actually turned Philly down for a workout. They, they, they requested me to come in like the day before the draft. And my agent and I just didn't think it would be a good fit there for me. So it was like this, nah, we don't, we don't we won't work out. And they, they had the 20th pick and New York had the 21st pick. So I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna get, I'm, I might have a chance to go to New York. Cause I, once Philly came up, I was like, all right, well, I turned them down for workout. So they're probably not gonna pick me, but they decided to pick me. And at the moment, I, I didn't even care. I was just happy to be getting drafted and to have my dream come true. Speedy, I, I, you talk, you talked about earlier how you're a big family guy. And um, it, was, it was, I remember a time how you influenced me. You probably never would have known it. Um, the year you got drafted, me and your brother was in um we was at a camp. Oh yeah, we talked about yeah. that story. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then you came up. I think I think you came up that time with the jersey. Yeah. And, uh and I just was blown away, man. That, that like impacted me for the rest of my life. Just like like family is everything, man. Cause I'm like, yeah. yo, you could have been anywhere, you could have been doing anything. You just got drafted. This dude drew up, drove up to camp and placed the jersey in his brother's hand, yo. And I was just like, yo. That's motivation. So you helped me with that. Man. Family you has know. always been everything to me. Um, yeah, that's what my that's what my parents are big on, um, sticking with each other, riding for each other, and supporting each other. So I just wanted to uh, go up there, and since my brother didn't get to share that moment with the rest of the family at draft night because he was away at the camp, I wanted to go and you know so go support him and show him some love. Yeah, that was that was huge. How, how did, how, it was funny because he told me that. He didn't tell anybody that I was that he was related to me at the camp or anything. And he said he said that you guys were just watching the draft. And then when they picked me, he said he went ballistic. And everybody said, "Yo, what's going? On? Like, why? Like, what's up? What's up? What's good?" Yo, we thought he was crazy. Like, yo, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I thought he was crazy because you know I'm, I'm from Philly, and I'm like, "Yo, who's Speedy Claxton?" Man, he's just going crazy. <laughs> But that was so dope, man. So I imagine they helped you out through the process. You, especially being your first year in the league, you being hurt. I know family had a big part of that. You know, helping. Yeah, definitely. You. They would they would drive down and stay with me. Um, you know, weeks at a time, just so I could have some somebody there with me, watching over me and, and helping me out. For sure. For sure. Wow, that's pretty good. That's nice. That is nice. So let's fast forward to one of your highlights in your career, playing with the Spurs. How was that learning and learning under these officers, um, Tim, you know, some of the stars, and which you was a vital part too, because you know, some, not too many people talk about Steven Jackson, you, and Avery Johnson, and how y'all helped that team solidify that championship and start and continue to run. It's, it's crazy because my, the start to my career was so surreal. You know, going to Philly, playing for a legendary coach from Larry Brown, and then getting traded to another legendary place San Antonio Spurs and playing for Greg Popovich, where 
they both gonna be the Hall of Fame and all that type of stuff. And then you know, playing seeing Tim Duncan in person and and David Robinson, like wow, this is crazy. Like I'm really in the league playing with these cats. And you know, San Antonio is a great, wonderful organization. You know, uh, everybody there do their job. It's a fun environment. The city love you guys. So you basically everywhere you go, you eat for free. Uh, you're the talk of the town. Like I love my time in San Antonio, man. Like those are some teammates that I will never forget. And I mean, not I don't know if you guys remember this or if you if you, was, if you guys were following the Spurs to that to this extent, but. If I if I never got hurt and hurt my shoulder in November, who knows what could have happened? Like Mike Brown, who who was the assistant coach on the Spurs at that time, he was like, "Listen, if Speedy never got hurt, it could have been a different big three that everybody was talking about." Because I was playing way more than Tony Parker at the time, and that's at that up until that point, Tony Parker wasn't Tony Parker. It it was only after I got hurt when he wasn't looking over his shoulder and all that is where he rounded into form and became the Tony Parker that we know now. Mm. So it's funny how injuries could change a, a whole dynamic of a team, change my whole career. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned playing for two legendary coaches, two future Hall of Fame coaches. What kind of culture and what kind of atmosphere do they instill on a team that gets their team ready to compete every night to get to that next level to be a championship contender? It's a no-nonsense um, atmosphere. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's business as usual when you step on step onto that court. Uh, you know, you know what's your what's expected from you, and you're supposed to go out there and do your job. Um, both both legendary organizations and. They play and compete for championships every year. So, you know, when you get traded or you play for them, you know what's expected from you. So, um, with your time on the Spurs, um, particularly in that championship year, who was your favorite player to play with on that team? I can't say one person. I'm going to have to say two. Okay. Both of them are my guys. And I would say Steven Jackson and Malik Rose. Uh, those <laughs> We we spent we spent damn near every day together, the three of us. Uh, we'll go over to each other's houses. We'll go bowling together. Um, we'll go to the movie theaters as a team. Like it was it was a dope environment. But I would say those two guys, and I still talk to those two guys to this day. Nice. Yeah, Malik, a real cool dude. Another Philly dude. Stand up. Yeah, Philly. Yeah, in the house. Philly <laughs> so. Um, so now you um you coaching um and you coaching at at Hofstra True. So that's I mean you got a storybook career, man. Uh, it just yeah. circled back like that. So your experiences from all the all the situations, different situations in the league. You know how do you what do you bring um to the Hofstra program from all your experiences? Uh, well, you know there's definitely a uh, a wealth of knowledge there. Um, you know. Playing in the NBA for 10 years and then scouting for three years. You know, those cats at Hofstra, they, that's what they all aspire to be. And I've done it. I walked, those, I walked in their shoes and got there. So they look at me as inspiration. Like, okay, like Speedy did it. I can do it. And he did it from here also. So 
You know what I'm saying? I'm walking inspiration when I'm on campus. For sure. Katie, so what is, do you see yourself being, going back in the NBA in any capacity as a head coach or continue in the college ranks? Because, as you know, I think I'm going to stay in the college ranks. Uh, like I said earlier, I have three girls who are growing up and getting older by about a minute, and they're almost at the college age. So if I stay, if I stay at Hofstra, they go to Hofstra for free. And I can save them a lot of money. And you, like I said, I'm always I'm all about family. So if I can put them in a in a good place to start their real life journey, that's what I'm going to do. So I'll probably stay at Hofstra until they finish. Uh, Speedy, um, there's something you said at the very onset of the, of the interview, where you said that you so one you made a final run with the Sixers, two you won a championship with the Spurs. Three, you pointed to you played a, a critical role in scout as a scout in helping that Warriors organization get their first championship. Explain yeah. that a little bit more. How, how what role you played um, in the scouting process? Well, I was an East Coast scout at the time, so I helped in drafting Steph Curry, Klay uh, Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, Harrison Barnes. Uh, so I helped put that team together. Hmm. That's amazing. Wow. Appreciate that. Did you think um yeah, I gotta ask you questions about this now? You, <laughs> listen, I'ma tell I'm gonna be on record, right? And I hope I hope we delete this too. You know, I'm gonna be on record. I don't like being wrong like this. I had no clue that Steph was gonna have the impact he had in the NBA from his uh Davidson experience. What did you did you see this or you just knew I, he was gonna be all right? No one, no one can say that they see, they saw this coming. All right, all right. You know, you you, you knew that he was a good player. Um, mm -hmm. Very high IQ. Obviously, could shoot the basketball. You knew that he would have to get stronger. Um, but just the way the game has evolved, I think, kind of worked in his favor. Also, I mean, he's one of the ones that helped it change. Exactly. Um, but he's he he's up there on Mount Rushmore. He's up there. My mom was small for sure. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I know, Speedy, we, 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 gonna, we gonna have to wrap the interview up now because I know we gonna be reaching that half an hour threshold, but just gotta throw it out there, man. So you just said it. Who else is on your Mount Rushmore? We always like to ask our guests that. We gonna start something. <laughs> well, we have to know. <laughs> I would say it's Steph, LeBron, Michael, and Shaq for me. All right. And is there, was that in order, any particular order or what? I, I ain't particular order, but those are, those are my guys who I think uh, the Mount Rushmore of the NBA. Cool, cool. Nice. I mean, since, since we're kind of in the, in the realm of players and, and opinions, um, who do you see coming out of this NBA Finals bubble as champion? Lakers. I don't, no, I don't think anybody can compete with their size. Um, and obviously they got two guys that are the, probably the best at their position. Yeah. Man, that's, that's kind of tough. You put, you give, first of all, LeBron's by far the best player in, in, in the NBA. Then you give him somebody of AD's caliber, like that's, that's going to be hard, to, that's going to be hard to beat. Like that's not even fair. Mm -hmm. That's like that's like when that's like when K that's like when KD joined the Warriors. Like I mean, come on, that's 
That's they they the NBA shouldn't even allow that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Speedy, I want to ask you. That's that's not fun to watch when you already know the outcome of the game. Yeah, right? yeah. I want to watch this. Yeah, that was a clown move by KD. I, 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 hate I, hate it. It. I hate it when KD runs for it. It's for the NBA for me. <laughs> Now, now, just to clarify this this KD point, I do agree that move was soft, right? But this that don't take away from KD's talent for you. No, not at all. I still think KD is the second best player in the league. Second best, speedy, you said? Yeah, so, speedy, I didn't hear that. Could you say that again? It was, a, it was a combo move, but he's still the second best player in the league. Speedy, can you say that again? What KD's number one? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have to acknowledge that KD is injured and he's still the second best player. Now, here's the real question, Skeety. Which move was softer, LeBron going to Miami or KD going to the Warriors? Oh, man. I'm going to say KD's move. Was <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because, I mean, he went and joined a, a championship team. Like, that was kind of crazy. 72 yeah. wins. Media had 17 wins. <laughs> but, but, but you are acknowledging, because you had to think about that response, that both moves could have been considered kind of whack, right? Oh, they was, no, they were definitely both whack. But KD's was a little yeah. higher whack shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I, I can agree with that. I could definitely agree with that. <laughs> Speedy. I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to put the business out there, but Dion is a lawyer, so don't <laughs> <laughs> she's a lawyer by day. So don't let her swade you. But but I just want to ask a quick question. And your basketball IQ. What happened to the Clippers? What do you think happened to the Clippers? Paul George didn't show up. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> um, I think they. I, honestly, I think they looked past Denver. Once they got uh, up 3-1, they mm -hmm. kind of took it easy and relaxed, took their foot off the gas. And Denver was – I always said Denver was an up-and-coming team. Boy, was I wrong because they're not up-and-coming their hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think the Clippers took them for granted once they went up 3-1 and kind of just overlooked them and was kind of paying attention and looking forward to playing the Lakers and yeah. having all, all the media blow that up. But you got to take care of business. These guys are NBA players at the end of yeah. the day. Absolutely. Um, and ju ju just to end on um, this note, talking about Denver being up and coming and we seeing that they're actually here, what are your thoughts about Murray and, oh. and his play, man? Yo, he's tough. He's tough. I, I, I never really watched Denver a whole lot. Um, I, just knew that, I just knew that they had good pieces in place. But he really opened my – Jamal Murray really opened my eyes. Like, he's probably top five point guards out there now. Yeah. Once you do it in the playoffs like that, that's really that's where you really make a name for yourself. And he sure, he sure did. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, there are a million questions that we have <laughs> basketball-related. Um, we hope um, in the future maybe you'll have an opportunity to come back on the show and chop it up with us. Um, yeah, but thank you so much for your time. No, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes.
our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A-N-D, some dudes. Until next time.